Good morning. It's good to be back. We are, I was out for three weeks. Shane preached twice and Scott once. Um, and we're continuing our series in the Proverbs. The, the name of the series is The Lost Art of Gaining Wisdom. And the Proverbs are obviously one of the chief books in the Bible on wisdom. And we began with going through kind of overviews. And what we found in the first four discussions was that from the heart flows wisdom, flows our character, that it's something deep. It's not just behaviors you add to your life, but wisdom is something that gets inside of you and changes you from within. Last week, Shane said this, wisdom aligns with our creator and the creation in such a way as to bring peace and flourishing into our lives, into this world. I think that's a really great way to think about wisdom is the believer being the person we were meant to be. God longs to recreate us and our community for flourishing. So that's what we're looking at this week. Um, If you are visiting and and this is your first time, or maybe you're a member or a regular attender, but this is your first foray into, into Proverbs, guess what you get to hear about today? Foolishness. I'm going to call you all fools today, and I get to get away with it. So it's like my greatest day of my job ever. Uh, I didn't expect that to come so soon. Um, We are going to look at a topic of foolishness. And what I want us to see as we dive into these scripture verses, um, a couple of things. One, the Proverbs have a few places where there are passages that go together, which we will begin with in chapter 1, looking at lady wisdom and calling out from the streets. But then you'll notice in Proverbs, quickly it jumps into a lot of kind of staccato verses where you'll have one on foolishness and one on laziness and one on something else. And so what we often will do, what people will do when they preach a series is they'll grab the ones on a certain topic. And that's what we've done this morning. So there'll be quite a few dealing with the fool. And let me just encourage you this way, and I'll I'll talk more about this in the body of the sermon, but you're going to want to wince. Like when you hear some of these descriptions of a fool, like me, you're going to go, ah, that's too harsh. And I just want to welcome you to listen in, lean in to these verses. So starting at verse, chapter one, verse 22. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called you and you refuse to listen, I have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord and would have none of my counsel and despised all of my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away and the complacency of fools destroys them. And then we're going to jump to Proverbs 8, 5. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. That verse really gives us hope. It's saying, hey, there's hope. If you relate to these guys, uh, you, can ha- you can learn prudence and learn sense. And then in verse, we're going to look at chapter 10, a few verses in a row. The wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. In verse 10, whoever winks the eye causes trouble, and a babbling fool will come to ruin. Verse 14, the wise lay up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool brings ruin near. In verse Proverbs 10, 18, the one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. So we have lots of 
uh, those are all dealing with uh, speech. Proverbs 10, 23. Doing wrong is like a joke to a fool, but wisdom is pleasure to a man of understanding. 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. 12, 16. The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. I'm going to just read a couple more. I know you're enjoying this. Proverbs 12, 23. A prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of a fool proclaims folly. 13, 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. 14, 15. The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. I'll finish with 14, 16. One who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is reckless and careless. Um, please join me in prayer. Father, we are cut open by your scripture. You tell us in Hebrews and other places that uh, when we come to your word, it will in many ways open us. And Lord, we are tempted, ironically, to avoid being a fool. We are tempted to be a fool by not wanting to hear these words by wanting to convince ourselves and others that these things aren't true of us, yet you have given us the grace to come to these scriptures to realize we need to be opened up. We are people who need to be examined before you, and we need to bring our hearts to you. So Holy Spirit, I pray that your gospel would come through this morning as we seek to understand what it might mean to recognize how in many ways in our own lives we act like fools. Teach us to become one who would run to you, that we would grow in righteousness. Amen. So as I've studied uh, this week over these verses and really try to chew on this topic, it's tricky. I mean, it's hard. There is something as a preacher, it's, it's nice to have like a real succinct passage, but to, to do topical stuff can be really difficult, especially when I don't relate to any of these verses at all. Just kidding. Thank you for the laughter. Someone knows me well. But there is a paradox, and I began to realize the paradox is um, because of how stunning and harsh some of these verses sound, I desperately didn't want them to be true of me. So in my attempt to feel like I'm not one of those people, I was becoming a fool, right? Because the heart of a fool is a person, or excuse me, the heart of yeah, a fool is a person who says, I don't have these problems. But the heart of righteousness is someone that says, I may, I may actually have these problems. So in order to understand these verses, so that we don't become more foolish, you actually have to realize you have to become a fool to understand these scriptures. Does that make sense? So cheer up, welcome to grace, become a fool. That's the message for the day. Three things we're going to look at, uh, the definition of fool based on these scriptures, um, relating to the fool, as I've just mentioned, kind of learning to lean in and relate, and even more, finally, to become a fool. So that's what we're going to do this morning. You only have to do that for about 30 minutes. 23 minutes left. You can do this. Let's jump in. Definition of a fool. In our, in our Proverbs, you obviously heard the word fool a lot. There are two Hebrew words, avil and kesil. These are two different Hebrew words that are almost always translated by the English word fool, and together what they refer to are people with morally deficient character, 
prompting irrational behavior. Okay? A, a person who personifies these scriptures we've read has a character that is such that leads to behavior that is foolish. In addition uh, to those words, the, so the one word fool with these two Hebrew words, you have other English words in the Proverbs that also define fool that we're going to look at, simple and scoffer. Okay? So these are all things that we see in our passage this morning and other places that really kind of give us the construct of being foolish. So what is it? Let, let me read the verses again, just the shortest part. <clears throat> uh, wisdom cries out in the street. I didn't read that part, but just to give you the backdrop in verse 20. And what she is calling out in verse 22 is, How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? And how long will scoffers delight in scoffer, scoffing and fools hate knowledge? Those are really three ways of talking about one thing, a fool, but with sort of three facets. So let's start with being simple. One of the ways we can be a fool or have foolish tendencies is by sort of claiming simplicity. Um, a, a person that is simple, uh, where it behooves them, pretends they don't need extra information. Remember, one of the key ingredients of being wise is longing for truth, longing for information, longing to have instruction. So part of being a fool is sort of acting like you don't need that instruction. And someone who is simple almost touts that, like I don't, almost blocks off the information from coming in. Um, I remember at the end of a sermon in uh, Colorado when I was a, a campus minister at CSU, um, and maybe, I, I don't know, maybe I, ch- I brought in too many like, quotes, I don't know. But I remember this guy coming out to shake my hand, and I know this person, he's a smart guy, but he starts to kind of act like he's not smart, like he's trying to be funny, and say, I'm just too simple to understand your sermon, or something like that, and he left with the most passive-aggressive comment I've ever received at the end of a sermon. I was just like, oh, and it stung. And then I thought, wait a minute, like that guy's smart. I think he probably could have understood what I was preaching, but I, have, I think sometimes there's a tendency to say, and I meet, we have an academic setting, we have very smart people, but it's amazing how sometimes people come to theology and they want to say, I just, I'm just simple. I don't need to know all the details. And I want to say I agree that sometimes theologians can be annoying, how many angels dance on the head of a pen, you know, who cares, right? But let me encourage all of us to be aware of the fact that sometimes what we're really doing when it comes to, say, theology or scripture is we're wanting to just shut off avenues for repentance and avenues for growth because it's painful, right? Uh, Not just in religion, but in everyday life, uh, we will often not want to hear, uh, I don't remember what petition came through my email, but at some point I voted on, or I gave my name on change.org. Anyone ever done this? I get like every day a new email of some horrible travesty in our society. And I'm like, I'm shutting, I just delete. I I can't take it all. So I'm with, I get it. I I have a simple streak myself because I'm afraid my heart will get tugged and I'll have to go into like that endeavor with my whole being. That's that's what being simple can look like. Um, My point with there would be get rid of change.org. That's okay. But don't get rid of theology. Another example was, um, I've told this before, is during the Holocaust or after the Holocaust, uh, when the Allies came in, there was this story. Uh, what, you, that what they would often do is to the nearest town where these, obviously, these people that were like the guards and the 
you know, the terrorizers of the, of the extermination camp, they would obviously come to town and, and be present, but the townspeople would often act like they didn't know what was happening, say, 20 or 30 miles away at this horrible camp. So when the allies came in, they would take these people and bust them and say, here's what's been happening in the shadow of your community. And there was one story of a mayor and his wife who committed suicide after seeing the atrocity. And their suicide note was simply, uh, we didn't know, but we knew. And what they were confessing in that sad state was, we shut down all evidence of the reality of that horror because it was too hard to live the enjoyable life we live 30 miles away. So as Christians, we're called to not be simple. We're called to be aware of the evils and the brokenness in our world, right? We're also called to not be scoffers. Um, The scoffer is someone who uses their mouth, their tongue, to actually scoff but they're not really entering into the situation. They're not lovingly caring for the people involved. Um, in Proverbs 10:14, the wise lay up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool brings ruin near. And then in 10:18, the one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. So you find that there's another tendency of foolish behavior is not only to be simple and sort of guard yourself, but to also scoff. I I think we see this right now as much as ever in social media, just tons of lobbying accusations and scoffing at people and really slandering people without any real sense of, of care and love and truth about who the person is. And so we need to be aware of that reality as well, that, that it's not just something simple-minded about our minds, but sometimes we scoff, we, we slander, we, we say things with our mouths. I, I know I'm guilty of this. And I think I want to let us remember, all of us are guilty of all of these things. So welcome to the, to the club. And then thirdly, just the concept of fool primarily being um, kind of this catch-all term as someone who really hates knowledge. That is, hates truth that would come in and transform the life. A fool is someone who sort of hedges that off and creates a life separate from that truth and that knowledge. Frederick Buechner, one of my favorite quotes, I probably use this once a year, um, has this great quote from his book, The Two Loves. He says, the Bible is not, first of all, a book of moral truth. I would call it instead a book of truth about the way life is. Those strange old scriptures present life as having been ordered in a certain way, with certain laws as inextricably built into it as the law of gravity is built into the physical universe. So just to hear what he's saying, the Bible's not just telling you what to do, it's telling you how everything works. And then he gives an example. He says, when Jesus says that whoever would save his life will lose it, And whoever loses his life will save it. Surely he's not making a statement about morally speaking how life is. Rather, he is saying, or excuse me, how it ought to be. Rather, he is saying in that scripture how life really is. Jesus is revealing the way this universe and your soul works. So when we come to scripture, it's not trying to get you to change to be morally better, though certainly that's part of the picture Primarily, I think the scriptures are showing what wisdom is teaching us is to say, here's how life works. 
And the fool and the parts of us that are foolish reject it because it looks too hard. It looks like it's going to infringe on us. So we go into simpleness and scoffing and foolish behavior when all the while we're being invited into shalom and glory. Proverbs 17.10 says, A rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows to a fool. Now, I want to take this moment to say, when you come to a proverb like that, I would not expect you or myself to get what it's saying initially. You have to read it again. You have to kind of look off and think about it and read it again. But a rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding. What that means is that someone who has wisdom, when they hear a, a good rebuke, it goes in like a hot knife into butter. Not hurting their feelings necessarily, but it, go, it hits the core. It hits the target. But a fool can be hit a hundred times and there's no change. So what do we want when we read that first? We want to be the one that can receive rebuke. And then in 1724, the discerning sets his face toward wisdom, but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. Here's, your, here's a quiz. How would you just internalize this in your brain? How would you explain what's being said there? The eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. Is it that a fool loves sailing, loves exploration? Maybe. More than likely, it's that a fool is not present in the issues of life that right here, but they're looking beyond. They're medicating themselves on other things because this is too much. And so what we want is to not be that way. How? How do we not be like a fool? Okay? And the answer is we want to relate to the fool. That's the paradox I've mentioned. We want to actually begin to recognize we have these tendencies in all of us. Um, the way, Proverbs 12, 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Let's begin to go, wait a minute, am I listening? Where, where in my life do I not listen to advice? So here's the image I have of this entire topic of relating to a fool. Um, I, I don't, sometimes I don't do movie illustrations, I just do general. Here's a general illustration from like 88 different movies. There's always a scene in certain types of movies, especially if there's a tryout, an important test, you wanna be on a team or make the play. There's always that scene where for whatever reason they hang pieces of paper up on a wall with names, right? You know what I'm talking about? And there's a crowd gathered in front looking at the page and then the protagonist somehow magically comes in and moves the crowd aside and looks for their name. Have you all seen that movie? There's like 88 of those movies. I've done the, I did a Google search, maybe 89. That's what we do with Proverbs, only a little bit. We don't want to be in this scene. We look at Proverbs and we're like, please like, don't be us. Like we come to the verse and I think we wince and that's, that's the problem. We need to look and go, actually, how do I fit into this proverb? Like, how is this hopeful and helpful? So but going back to the very beginning of what we read, Lady Wisdom is saying, how long, oh, simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? But listen to the next verse. If, if you turn at my reproof, Behold, 
I will pour out my spirit to you. Do you hear that promise? There's a, there's a promise that, that if I, who am simple in my flesh, I did not escape sin and harm, if I come to the Proverbs and recognizing that I need instruction, lean in, I'm told that the Spirit of God will be poured to me, that I, says Lady Wisdom, will make my words known to you. By the way, Lady Wisdom is not a real person. It's a, it's a, a rhetorical device used by the Proverbs of, of showing that wisdom has personality. And I'll just give you the four, I'll give you a little bit of the head. I've said this before, it's Jesus. So we'll get to there later. But right now, for the sake of the discussion at point two, we're hearing from God through Proverbs that we need to lean in. Proverbs 8, 5, I said this when I read it, it says, says this. Oh, simple ones, learn prudence. Oh, fools, learn sense. So it's not just saying you're a fool. It's not just saying you're simple. It's saying, I have some teaching for you. But you have to relate to me. You have to relate to the fool, I mean. You have to relate to the simple. Okay? James 1, 23 and 24. Uh, James is kind of the New Testament wisdom literature. And James famously says, if anyone is a hearer of the word and, a, and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away at once and forgets what he is like. How many, raise, show, I want you to raise your hand. How many of you have seen your face? Come on. Wrong. Wrong. Sorry, Chris. Amy tried to tell you. You have never seen your face. Have you ever thought about that? I know I've talked about that before. And then, and then I've heard Dan Allener talks about that. Like, yeah, I've seen my face, right? Like, no, you've seen a mirror. You've seen selfies. Some of you too many. You've seen, you know, videos and yearbooks and yada, yada, yada. But you've not ever physically seen your face. But here's what's crazy. The most important face that's in your brain that it remembers and thinks about is what? Your own. I mean, that's, that's not unusual. There's nothing wrong with that. But we have this conception of ourselves, and yet we've never physically seen ourselves. So when James says, if a person looks in the mirror and studies it intently, this is before selfies. You had to do it at the mirror. You couldn't just kind of keep pulling up photos of yourself with little mouse noses and whiskers. You had to look in a mirror. But then to walk away and not remember is crazy. Like all of us remember what we look like. Now we hate when we go back and look and we had like something in our teeth. You know, we had like some kind of blemish no one told us about. What's the point? Like the Proverbs are inviting us to look at a mirror and they're saying, do you see yourself? So as we read all of these Proverbs on being a fool or any topic, we're being invited in through so many ways to go, oh, I do that. Oh, I, I struggle with that. I, I too do that. In Psalm 14, and then also in 53, we use this as our call to worship this morning. Uh, we hear these words, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abomin abominable deeds, not abominable, abominable deeds. There is none who does good. Have you ever thought to yourself, I, I've, I've read that so many times and thought, I'm thankful because I've never said there is no God. So I'm good. You right? Have any, maybe some of you said there is no God. You're not as good. 
Here's the problem. Uh, it doesn't say that you say there is no God. It says the fool says in their heart there is no God. This very morning, I've had some anxiety that in that space, my heart was saying there is no God. In that moment. It doesn't mean I wasn't a Christian. It doesn't mean that God let go of me. What it means is my natural disposition is to live as if there is no God. I need to understand that as I look at these descriptions of a fool and I need to lean in and so do you. And before I go to the final point, which is the best point, I wanna say this as an illustration. And again, I'm reusing an illustration, but it's very meaningful to me. So I'm gonna just state it again. And it's that place... You know, the Proverbs are tricky because they feel like code. You, you read them and you're like, I don't know if I understand them. And, and another type of biblical literature that does that are parables. Right? Parables are tricky. And you read a parable and you're like, I don't know if I understand it. And then Jesus says, yeah, I made these parables hard because I don't want some people to understand them. Have you ever heard him say that? He says it in Mark 4. He's afraid, he says, they may indeed see but not perceive. They, they may hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. So he's coding language in parables. And sometimes Proverbs feel that way. But that place where that's said, Jesus has just shared a parable of the sower to a, a multitude of people. And you've heard of the parable of the sower. I'm not going to share it right now, but roughly speaking, there's a man, Jesus, he sows scripture, the word, and it's the different types of soil that reveals if it understood the scripture, right? That's what he's saying. And then he makes this harsh comment and you just feel like the wincing that we don't, you know, oh my goodness, I think I understand that parable. I kind of do, do you? You know, you can imagine if you're in that audience. But then he says to them, do you not understand this parable? Now, what would you have done if you were, oh, no, 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 I do. I totally get that parable. But you wouldn't do that. Because then you'd say, okay, Ryan, why don't you explain it to everybody? So you sit there and you say, I don't. I don't understand the parable. What's amazing is the other people left. The unbelievers walked away just, that was cool. The believer says, I don't get it. And they lean in. A Christian doesn't have it all together. A Christian leans in and says, Jesus Will you please explain that to me again? Start from the beginning. Will you help me understand your word? Lord, I'm reading these Proverbs and I've got my, my tea or my coffee and I've opened the Bible up and it tells me that I might be a fool. Will you help me understand where I'm being foolish? And we lean in. So what do we do? Point three, we become a fool. We have to become the fool. Um, our verses began with Lady Wisdom. I mentioned this already just so you didn't, weren't confused. But she says, whoever hears my words right, and follows them, I'm paraphrasing, will have wisdom. And Jesus in Matthew 6 says the very same thing. I was going to read the exact quote. If I can find it where I put it. In Matthew 7, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man. And I've talked about this a few sermons back. This wise man who builds his house on a rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall 
because it had been founded on the rock. Do you all feel the wind and the rain right now? I don't mean in this room. I mean like everything you thought was true is being questioned. I mean, you can't, you read one thing on, on Corona and then the next thing's opposite, right? And, and, and we, we, these videos that show racism are coming out and, and there's, there's just so many things in our culture that all of us, I think, are just stunned by the fact that this world feels like it's just shaking and wind is crashing and rain is pouring down. And my fear is that many of our houses are floating out in the tsunami because we have not built them on the rock. What are you building your house on? I have felt my foundation shaken. I have like felt to the core, like what is true? And I'm a pastor. I'm not trying to say it like I was better. My point is I'm the guy that should, you would think would just wake up and, but I struggle. I cry out to my wife. I'm, I confess to my friends, like this is hard. How is your house right now? It's very hard. And I watch people's responses and I watch my own heart responses. We are at a place where we need to become a fool. What do I mean? We need to build our house on the rock of Christ. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says this, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us, that is Christians, who are being saved, it is the power of God. Verse 20 says, where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of the world? Has God not taken these mansions that look like they are built on beautiful foundations and just washed them out to sea because they were not built on the rock? No, that's not what we're to build on. We're building on Christ. Verse 21, for since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through folly of what we preach. That is the cross to save those who believe. What Paul is saying is this. I'll say it in verse 22. Jews demanded a sign and Greeks wanted wisdom. But Paul says, we preach Christ crucified. What's he saying? Everything you think will rescue you is folly if it's not Christ. Everything. Man, if we could just get a vaccine, that would be wonderful. It will not rescue you. If we could just get the kids to school, that would be great if they don't catch a virus, but that won't rescue us. If our remodel, like our house is in total upheaval and every day we're like, how much longer? And I literally tell myself a thousand times a day, if we could just get the painter to come, I will be better. And I won't be. Yeah, that would be great for a couple of days, but something else will come, right? If we could just get the right diagnosis, if our bank account could just get this way, if this relationship would just go, what are the foundations you're laying? Paul is saying this, there's one foundation and it's Jesus and he dies. And that's foolishness. So what do we do? We have to become foolish in verse chapter 3, 18, he says, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, I have the right knowledge about this. I have the right things on social media. My house got remodeled faster than your house. My kids got whatever. If you think you're wise, he says, let him become a fool. Let him become wise. What's he saying? 
Jesus is the only foundation. You have to die. And all those things that you think are going to save you are not bad in and of themselves. They're just really bad at rescuing you from your sin. What are we building? One of my favorite, I'm going to close with this, one of my favorite passages I repeat. I've done a lot of repeating. That's okay. I don't mind it. I hope you don't. Galatians 3, where Paul says to the Galatians, Oh, foolish Galatians who bewitched you. I think Paul would lovingly say that to us. Guys, who, where, what are you doing perfecting yourself through things and beliefs and hopes and this and hopes and that? Jesus is the only thing. And so I was listening to a sermon, and, and the pastor quotes Lewis Martin on the actual passage in Galatians where Paul says that. And here's what this commentator says. Paul sees there is only one true antidote to foolishness. And that's the proclamation of the gospel of the cross. The Galatians are foolish because they've moved toward observing the law. And they believe that those observances, circumcision, they probably got this great book of like what you wear and how you do a Seder and how you do this and all these things that are going to rescue them because they feel dirty. And Paul's saying, that's not going to rescue you. All you need is Jesus' death. That's your rescue. That's your power. That's your hope. His death, his resurrection, his ascension. The cross means all of those things, and that's our only hope. And we have to become foolish because here's what I mean by that. And here's what I think Paul means. It feels counterintuitive to move to the cross. Everything in your flesh says, don't do it. There's a million other ways you can be rescued. Don't do it. And your heart says, no, I go to the cross. I have nothing in my hands but Christ. And there, I don't know how he's going to rescue me. I don't know if the pandemic's going to go away, if the painter's going to show up, if I'm not going to have the diagnosis, if the money's going to be in the account. All the things you need, I don't know, but I have heaven. I have eternal life. I have a Savior who one day, someday will hold your face in his hands and say, I love you. And I'm here for you. That's your hope. That's our hope. And if we will believe that, then I think the house will sit on the rock and we can weather this storm together. Let's pray. Jesus, teach us to become fools. Fools, Lord, in the sense that we will feel all of the ways we are trying to rescue ourselves. Call us to your cross. Lord, I lament that we do not have the Lord's Supper right now. We miss it. Give us wisdom about when, Lord, to take that again as a community. Lord, give us wisdom about how to take this message and believe. Lord, we don't go up to some board with names on it that sort of tells us if we made it in or not. We walk up to you. You run to us. Over and over in the Bible, you depict yourself as a loving father who longs to hold his child in his hands. Let us believe that. Let us put all of our hope in that. For your glory, amen.